Hello and welcome to Living Word, growing a family that experiences every promise of God. You're listening to another life-changing word from Pastor Jason Anderson. For more information, visit our website at livingwordonline.com. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this time. I ask, Lord, that your word would be, uh, our hearts open for it. Your word is bread and it's manna. It's, it's the bread of life. It's practical. We can use it this week. Lord God, your word is also seed. We thank you, Lord, that it's planted deep in the good soil of our hearts and it produces change. It conforms us into the likeness and image of your son, Jesus. Holy Spirit, be our teacher this morning. Teach us what we need to know. Prepare us for what's coming in our lives. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You can be seated. Welcome you on the stream. However you're tuning in to us, if you're ever in the Mesa area, please come hang out with us. And don't forget about our daily Bible study. It's called Wake Up. Go to YouTube, search Wake Up, or just search Daily Bible Study. We are now the number one daily Bible study in the world on YouTube. We do a morning scripture. We pray over your day. We're going to have a great time. But today I want to talk to you about Jesus being the king of my heart. And Jesus being the king of your heart. Jesus has been crowned the king of kings. He died and resurrected. He was given the name that's above all rule, authority, dominion, and power. His name is above every name that has been named in this age and the age to come. He is enthroned on high in his kingdom. Where is his kingdom? Jesus said, don't look for the kingdom out here or out there. For the kingdom of God is in a man's heart. So on the inside of you is the kingdom of God. And Jesus wants to be enthroned on high in that kingdom. He wants to be in charge of what's happening on the inside. He's your king of peace to make sure that peace is happening in here. And all too often, the world brings us problems. There's mountains, circumstances, things that seem impossible. Maybe it's not enough money to cover the bills. Maybe the doctor report says, hey, listen, you have this sickness and you're going to have it the rest of your life. And these kinds of things come at you and they want to rule over what you're thinking and what you're feeling. It wants to bring stress, worry. What's happening is, is you've put the crown that belongs on Jesus on the problem. You put the crown on the mountain. You put the crown on what the doctor said. But how many know the doctor report isn't king over your life? Jesus is the king of your heart. And when you put the crown back on Jesus, you say, well, the doctor may have said one thing, but Jesus, you're my king. I'm not going to let this impact my emotions. I'm not going to let it change what I say. I'm not going to let it consume me today. Maybe somebody hurts your feelings, and suddenly you're down. You're thinking about how you're going to get them back. Think of all the things you should have said, and you're being harsh with everyone around you. Maybe the job stunk today, and you get home, and suddenly you're mad because you're hurting, and you're hurting everybody around you because you're hurting. What's happened is, is you put the crown in the wrong spot. You raised up a problem or a circumstance above your true king, the king of peace. Take the crown off of that problem. Put it back on your king, your King Jesus. Say, King Jesus, you're the ruler of my heart. Things look impossible right now, but you, Jesus, are the king of the impossible. It looks like it can't happen, but Jesus, I know that you make a way where there is no way. I know what the doctor said, but Jesus, you said you're my chief physician, that by your wounds I've been healed. I'm choosing to believe what you said over what the doctor said. When you do that, What it does is it starts to stir up your hope. It gets your mind off the worry, off the fear. What's happened is you made Jesus the king of your heart. And that brings peace. And Jesus wants you to know the reason that he's in here making peace is because he wants to change what's happening in here 
so that he can change what's happening out here. All too often we say, well, when the circumstance changes, then I'll have peace. But Jesus is like, no, no, no. I'm reigning in my kingdom, which is inside of you. I want to bring peace in your heart. Once there's peace in your heart that we've gotten you back into faith and out of worry, now we can get, begin to impact what's happening out here. When I was 16 years old, my brother hired me to work at the Burger King. He was the, the guy in charge. He ran the whole entire store. He was 19 and a half years old and was already running the Burger King. Everybody worked for him, including me, hired me on. When I first got hired, I would hear of the legends of Scott Anderson. <laughs> the legend was he could make a Whopper faster than anybody. I had never seen him make a Whopper because he was the manager, he was the boss. It was like the mighty unicorn. You heard about it, but you'd never really seen it or experienced it. They said he could make a Whopper in about eight seconds. The best time I had ever seen was 25 seconds. And he they were saying he could do it at eight. He was like, they would talk about the legendary lunch rush of 1985. <laughs> well, one day I was working on a Sunday with Gabe. He was my boss. He was the supervisor. And it was just the two of us on a Sunday because Sundays were so slow. At Burger King, you might see a customer once. You might go four hours without seeing anybody. And so there we were, just hanging out, nothing to do, just the two of us. Suddenly, a bus pulled in the parking lot. Then another bus. There was some sort of field trip stopover. Then another bus. Four buses pulled in. All these kids began to pour out and pour into the store. We were, me and Gabe were looking at each other. There's no way. There is no possible way the two of us can handle this. The circumstance was bleak. I can't make Whoppers that fast. I was like burger, cheese, lettuce, tomato, spread, wrap, go. The order started piling in. And Gabe's yelling back, what's the holdup? Ah, the tickets, 12 Whoppers, 14 Whoppers, 8 Whoppers, burger, cheese, lettuce, tomato, spread, wrap, go. What's the holdup? I know. We're never going to leave. It was too big a problem. I can't do this. So there was no cell phones, but I grabbed the store phone. I called my brother at home, told him about the situation. He goes like this, I'm on my way. <laughs> he pulled up in the 1968 blue Camaro with the 350 and the big wide slicks on the back. <clears throat> and I was panicking, trying to make Whoppers, trying to make fries. And I'll never forget the big metal door swinging open with a clang, koosh. And I turned around and the sun beamed through the door. And there was a silhouette of my brother. And he had his spatula in his hand from home. Who owns a spatula? And I can still hear the, the music of ACDC playing back in the black. And he pushed me aside. And he began to make the Whoppers on beat. He was a Whopper, cheese, lettuce, tomato, spread, wrap, go. Whopper, cheese, lettuce, tomato, spread, wrap, go. Whopper, cheese, lettuce, tomato. And I stood there in awe as he just flung Whoppers. Then Gabe yells out. He goes, I'm out of fries. And I thought, oh, now what's he going to do? He's busy making all these Whoppers. He can't make fries at the same time. But he didn't even miss a beat. He kept making those Whop Whopper, cheese, lettuce, tomato, spread, wrap, go. And a third hand came out of his back and began to handle the fries. And he was just chucking fries in packages. Foom, 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 foom. Before you knew it, all 
before busloads were handled, my brother really was the Burger King. overwhelmed in our lives, we have to know to call upon the right king. And it really starts to be about our faith. What am I believing about this situation? Am I believing in my king? The Bible says in Isaiah and uh, chapter 53, who has believed our message and to whom has the right arm of the Lord been revealed? What he was saying there is that when you believe in the message of God, when you put your faith in what he said, then the right arm of the Lord is revealed in your life. There's a dot that needs to be connected there. And when, when I've got my insides all a mess, I'm worried, I'm stressed out, what I, what's happening is, is I'm, I'm engaging in self-reliance. I can't make all these whoppers. I can't serve all these people. What am I going to do? How am I going to change my marriage? How am I going to fix this mess in my family? How will I ever get out of this debt? Self-reliance is full of I can'ts. What am I going to do? No, you need to not be self-reliant. Recognize that you don't have to be. You have a partner in this world. His name is Jesus. When you received him, he set up a throne on the inside of you. And if you'll just put your faith in him, then suddenly the worry, the doubt, the disappointment, all those things begin to wane. And when you start to believe what he says over the problem, what the mountain is saying, over what your anger is telling you, the things that try and set up and rule inside of you, when you take the crown off those things and put them on your Prince of Peace, the King of Righteousness, the King of all kings, when you put it on him, now the right arm of the Lord can be moving in your life. See, worry is like tying God's arms. Worry, Jesus said this to the blind man, he said, let it be unto you according to how you have believed. My belief will determine where I'm headed. And if I believe the problem is too big for Jesus, then it is. It's not really too big for him, but in my heart it is. It's impossible, it'll never happen, and I give up. Instead, I've got to learn how to put my faith in Jesus. There was a woman down here uh, after the baptisms, not just a month ago, she waited till after the service and then after the baptism. So it was about 7.30 at night by the time, on a Saturday night, by the time I got to her. She needed prayer. Pastor, I waited because I have arthritis in this hand. It's been getting so worse, I can't move my hand anymore. Show me. She couldn't move it. it was, the doctors told her that it was permanent. That was it. That her hand would always be like that. But she said, but I don't believe that. I believe God. Will you pray with me and let's get healed? And I saw faith in her. Who else would stay that long after service to get prayer except for somebody knew that God was going to move? And so we prayed. I spoke to that hand in the name of Jesus, be healed. And then I told her to move it. Well, nothing really changed. We did it again. We prayed. I spoke to it in the name of Jesus, be healed. And then I said, now move your hand, make a fist. And she goes, uh, uh, uh. and then all of a sudden I went right in front of my eyes. I watched it happen. Start moving her hand around. Her husband starts crying. She starts crying. She walks out and waves goodbye to me. I saw her just last night. I saw her just last night. She looked at me and she waved with that right hand. Faith can make all the difference. And putting our faith in God, that's why Jesus wants to be the 
king of our heart is because it brings peace and gets us back into believing him. And I have to see Jesus as bigger than my problem. Pastor Scott talked to you guys last week about seeing our Jesus as strong. He's not wimpy. He's the Lion of Judah. I have to see the victory that is in him. It says in the book of Psalms chapter 2, I have established my king enthroned on the mountain of Zion. You see, Jesus is king, but is he my king? He could be king, but if he's not your king, if he's not reigning in your heart, if you're not giving him the crown to be above your feelings and above your thoughts and above your circumstances, he made it personal here, the, the psalmist did. This is my king, and I'm positioning him on the high mountain. That's important how we see Jesus. Is he victorious? Is he able? Do I see Jesus as a mighty overcomer? That matters. Isaiah said in chapter 6, I see the Lord. And Isaiah was saying, I see him differently than everyone else. I want to be like this. I want to see differently than how the rest of the world sees. There's no peace in this world. Everybody's worried about the culture. It's worried about the future. They're worried about the politics. They're worried about the deception. We're worried about the wars. We're worried about the sex scandals and the sex trafficking. And we're worried about the violence. And we're worried about the murders. And we're worried about... There's so many things to be worried about. If you're not worried, I can give you a list to help you become worried. In fact, I'm worried that you're not worried. But really, that's not how I want to live my life. I want to see things differently. And Isaiah was saying, well, I see the Lord, and he is seated on his throne. He is high and lifted up, and his train fills the temple. In the days of kings, when a king took a new land, took a new territory, got, some, got rid of uh, some other land, and they would take the garments of the palace of the land that they took, and they would sew them on the robe of the king. So the longer a king's train was, the more victory he had over the environment around him, the more places and territories he had taken. So consider our Jesus for a second. I see him. He's on his throne. He's high and lifted up. And his train, it fills the temple. It's so long. Victory after victory of the garments of palaces and places that he has taken that I can hardly walk around all the victory that I see. Oh, that's when he defeated sin. Oh, that's when he defeated hell. Oh, look at this. This is when he defeated death. This is when he overcame the grave. Oh, look at this garment over here. This is when he overcame sickness and disease. Look at this. Oh, that's when he overcame poverty on my behalf. Oh, this is when he forgave me of my sins. I see the Lord. He is seated on his throne. He is high and lifted up. And his train fills the temple. It's full of victory. And when I start to talk like that, man, the disappointment leaves. The worry leaves. Suddenly I'm back in hope. I'm suddenly rejoicing. And I'm beginning to say things like, Jesus, my king, it looks impossible. But I know that you're going to turn this around for my favor. I know that though my bank account says I have nothing in it, I know that though the debts are, are calling my phone number, I know that I'm going to be a lender and not a borrower. 
I know that, Jesus, you're turning this around and working it out. You are tipping the scale, Jesus, in my favor. I know that money's coming from unexpected places. I know that you bless the works of my hands. And so, Jesus, I'm going to get busy. I have my part to do, too. I'm going to get busy with my hands. But, Jesus, you're going to turn this thing around. What am I doing? I'm putting my faith back in my king, and it's going to calm the inside of me. How I see my Jesus matters. Am I remembering that he's a victorious Jesus? My daughter was running a marathon, a marathon, a cross country for her high school. That's interesting. It's a miracle on its own. She was diagnosed with asthma when she was super young, a baby, that she'd be on breathalyzers and all this stuff her whole life. But by the time she was five, she was off of all that. And then she decided to run cross country for her high school team. Now, some things about my daughter you should know. I love her. I'm so proud of her. She can do anything, almost. She can't run. My daughter's many things. She's a singer, super talented, incredibly brilliant, anointed of God, violin player. But she's not athletic. And I say that with all the grace of a parent. And she said, I would like to be a runner on the cross-country team. I thought, hmm, okay. God's about to teach you some perseverance. Because when God wants you to do something that you're not inherently good at, guess what you're about to learn? Hard work, perseverance. First year, I remember every single race she was in, she came in dead last. We just cheered her on. Lord Jesus, sometimes the last runner had come through, and I still couldn't see my daughter. (laughs) Come on, baby, where are you? But in her third year, her final year, she had been training. She'd been working so hard. She wasn't coming in last anymore. I remember the final meet, she came to me and she said, Daddy, I'm going to do really well. I'm going to give up my all. I'm trusting in Jesus. I'm really hoping I can make a difference in my my running today. I'm going to come in a better place. And I was like, well, go for it, baby. She went out there running as hard as she could, planned on pushing herself to the limits. But she tells the story that as she was running, there was a strong wind against her at one point. And it was just wearing her out. She's already tired. She's already a little bit weary trying to win this race, trying to at least get a decent place. And the wind's just beating on her. That's not what you want. You want the wind at your back. But instead of just saying, oh, well, the wind was against me. What was I going to do? I can't control the wind. She remembered that her Jesus can control the wind. She was thinking about the glory of her Jesus, her king. And she thought, not that this is impossible, but Jesus, I'll bet you could turn this around. She looked over her right and left shoulder to make sure nobody was listening to her. And she began to speak to the wind. This is her story. I told that wind, you blow up my back. Don't you blow up me anymore. In the name of Jesus, turn around. Blow with me. She said immediately the wind shifted and began to blow in her back. I just love how Jesus does stuff like that. He's just showing off now. And you might be out there going, well, that probably was some sort of weird coincidence. Well, whatever. She's got the wind in her back now. She be, it just gave her that extra juice, too, you know, to see that God has partnered with her. She began to run a little bit faster. She worked a little hard. She started passing this person, passing that person. I want you to know that in her final race of her final year, she took, on her, for her team, she took first place. Her whole team celebrated her. They had seen her move from last to first. So you see, when you remember, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that That when we look at the glory of Jesus, say glory. Glory. When I look at the glory of my king, then that glory begins to reflect itself in me. In fact, I start to be transformed into the image of Christ as I look at his glory. 
What does that mean? That means when I remember the amazing things he's done as my king, when I see him for the victory that he really has, it starts to impact how I see myself. Why? Well, it says in 1 John chapter 4 that as he is in this world, so am I. I'm crucified in Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ that lives in me. The Jesus that I'm talking about that's victorious is the same Jesus who's living his life through me. It's that Jesus who said, hey, greater works will you do than I have done. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. You see, I'm seeing Jesus as king over all these circumstances, but then he's saying this, I've made you a king. The king of my heart has given me the heart of a king. He said, I'm raising you up and seating you with me on my throne. He's saying, don't just see me above the enemy, but I want you to see yourself above the enemy. Why? Because I'm in you. And greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world. I can't do nothing without Jesus, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I begin to see myself the way that Jesus wants me to see. I'm his hands and I'm his feet. He's given me the mind of Christ. He's armed me with the armor of God. I'm hidden in Christ, born of an incorruptible seed, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, is empowering me to live a victorious life. And he's called me a king. Look at this. What do I got to do? I just remember things like when Jesus came up against a storm, he calmed the storm. I just remember things like when Jesus got out to the edge of a water and he had no boat, but he needed to get to the other side. He thought, well, I'll just walk. I remember Jesus that when he came across a crippled man, he didn't say, oh, I'm so sorry. He said, get up and walk. I said, when he came across a blind man, I remember a Jesus that healed the eyes of the blind. I remember a Jesus that healed the brokenhearted, who forgave the unforgivable, who loved when they were persecuting him. I remember a Jesus who healed every sickness and disease. He didn't skip none. None were too big for him. He healed them all. I remember when Jesus raised the dead. And when I think about that, suddenly he gets bigger on the end. What am I doing? I'm looking at his glory, and that glory is starting to empower me to become all that God has created me to be. Do you see that? What am I doing? I'm remembering that Jesus took my sorrows and my griefs to that cross. He carried my burdens. He carried my shame. In fact, the Bible says he scorned shame on that cross. I remember a Jesus that when death tried to hold him, it couldn't. And he resurrected from the dead after three days and then went and seated in the heavenlies with Father God. That's what I want to keep in my mind. When I think about my Jesus, I think about his victories. And not just his victories in the word of God, but his victories in my life. What's happening? I'm putting my faith in Jesus and I'm releasing the right arm of the Lord. It says in Proverbs chapter 29 that the king gives stability to the land by justice. Not only is Jesus the king of our peace, Jesus is the king of our justice. And what do I mean by that? Well, he, he said this, God's declared me the judge. Jesus, when, when, you, when you lived in a kingdom, if you had a problem with somebody's treated you unfair, somebody ripped you off, somebody stole from you, you would go to the king and give it to the king, and the king would give you justice. 
This world's full of unfair things. This world's full of people. And people aren't always nice, and hurting people hurt people. And people will betray you, and somebody's going to lie about you, and you can't stop that. And somebody's going to hate you even though I love you. Everybody loves you. We should all love you. You're an amazing person. But somebody's going to hate you, and you can't change it. People are going to betray you. And unfair things happen in our life. They're unfair. It's not right what they did to you. What happens is sometimes we start to crown those things in our heart. It consumes us. It's not right what they said to me. It's not right how they treated me. It starts to consume us. We start to do what? Fume. Think about it. What's it doing? It's setting up a rulership. It's setting up a kingdom in your heart. It's causing you to be wiped out. Your thoughts are occupied. You can't focus on your spouse. You can't focus on your kids. You can't focus on your job. Why? Because it was unfair. You're thinking about the things you should have said. But Jesus wants to be your vindicator. David said this. He said, how long will my enemy be exalted over me? What he was saying was, sometimes it looks like those who were unjust to you are winning. But David was also saying, but I've given it to the Lord. God is my vindicator. He's going to be the great reconciler of my account. I'm going to the king and saying, hey, look, this is what happened. You fix it. I'm putting it in your hands, which means I'm letting it go out of my heart. I'm not going to be mad. I'm going to walk in forgiveness. When people are mean to me, I'm going to give it to Christ and say, I'm giving them love in return. Now, Jesus, you be my vindicator. I need you to reconcile this account, Jesus. I'm letting you be in charge of my justice. And here's the reality. As long as you hold on to it, it'll steal from you. It'll torment you on the inside. It's better to just want people to win. When somebody's mean to you, wrong to you, unfair to you, just want them to win. Lord, I want them to win. I want them to be great in life. I'm letting this go, and I'm giving it to you. I'm not going to let it consume me for even one moment. It's not the ruler of my life. Jesus, I'm trusting you to be my vindicator and the reconciler of accounts. Did you know that Jesus is a payback Jesus? That Jesus saw how unfair it was, and he has compensation for you. The Bible says that the Israelites were treated unfairly. They were mistreated in Egypt for 430 years. But when the Lord got involved, there was 10 events that hit Egypt. And at the end of the 10th, they cried out, get the Israelites out of here, let them go free. And then God said to the Israelites, now ask the Egyptians for their wealth. Ask them for their gold and treasures before you go. That seems crazy. So they asked their masters, the Egyptians, give me your gold and treasures before I go. And the Egyptians gave it to them. They plundered the wealth of Egypt when they left. You see, God was rewarding them for the stuff they endured. The things that are unfair, I want you to know, God didn't do it, but he saw your suffering. He saw what you went through when you were young, how you were abused, how you were abandoned, how you were unloved. It wasn't fair what they did to you. But if you'll let it go out of your heart, if you'll let those chains fall off of you and you give it to Jesus, he wants you to know, I'm going to reconcile the account. I will settle things and I'm going to tip the scale in your favor. I didn't miss a single tear. I logged it all. And Jesus is the great reconciler. He's going to settle that account in your favor. The Bible says that when the thief is caught, he must repay double. You're going to get double portion returned to you when you give it to your judge, Jesus. When you say, Jesus, I'm, not, I'm going to let go of this anger. I'm not going to be mad anymore. I'm going to, let, I'm going to give it to you, Jesus. The Bible says that 
He's going to give you a double portion. Isaiah chapter, I think it's 61, says, For your shame you will receive a double portion. Look at this. Double for your trouble, man. I tell you what, that's a good God. Where you were stolen from, if you give it to you, my, my mom was, had a rough childhood. Terrible things happened to her. She was abused, beaten, physically, emotionally tormented, told she was be nothing, abandoned when she was super young, went and lived with, bouncing around house to house, her grandma stuff. It's a tough thing when you hear her story. She got born again. She chose to let it all go, to not use those things to be a victim anymore. She just said, you know what, Jesus, I give it to you. I forgive them. I want them to win. I love them. I'm not mad at them. Look what Jesus has done in her life. Given her a mighty man of God. Given her, given her success. She's, she's become a preacher even though she had a speech impediment. She preaches all over the world. Even though they told her she wasn't very smart, she's written multiple books, best-selling author. Uh, she had two kids. One of them turned out amazing. She's... <laughs> our payback, God. Give him the injustices that happened to you. Let him be the king of your vindication. Let our God be the God of your vengeance. As long as you hold on to it, you tie his hands. You won't let him reward you. You won't let him pay you back for how you've been wronged. But when you give it to him, when you go to bed at night, give the Lord everything. Jesus, I was tormented at my work, but I'm giving it to you. I'm not going to go to sleep tonight on my anger. Jesus, this has been a tough thing that's been going on in my marriage, but I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning in love and forgiveness. Father God, it's, it's been horrible how they treated me. My friend betrayed me and lied about me, but you know what? I'm not going to get in that, I'm not going to get in that sandbox. I'm just going to rise above it. I'm going to be silent. Jesus, I'm giving it to you. You be my vindicator. How long will my enemy be exalted over me? It's going to be up to Jesus, but he's going to reconcile the account. Give the Lord some praise. It's a story in the word in 2 Kings chapter 7. The king of Israel was locked up in with his people in Samaria. And they were under siege by the Syrian army. The Syrian army was massive and Israel didn't have an army. It was an impossible situation. They'd been locked up in here so long. The Syrian army wouldn't let any supplies in. The people were starving to death. They, were, they, they had no soldiers. They had no weapons. They had five horses left, I think, because I think they'd been eating their horses. It was bad. And there was no bread. And Elisha came along. The king said there was no way, but Elisha was listening to the voice of a different king. He didn't listen to the voice of the king of Israel, but he listened to the voice of our Lord. And the Lord said, by this time tomorrow, there'll be so much bread, it'll be cheap. And everybody's going to be eating. So the, Elisha told the king of Israel this. But you know, they wouldn't have it. They wouldn't listen. In fact, the officer... <coughs> who was next to the king of Israel, said, there's no way that, that's impossible. A lot of times God loves to do things that are impossible in your life. They were on the verge of a breakthrough, but they didn't even know it. Talks about these four lepers that were at the gate. And sure enough, the next day, the lepers at the gate decided, well, why don't we either die here or go over to the Syrian camp and see what they're up to? And so, because they're just going to die anyways, they just walked over towards the Syrians. As they're walking towards the Syrians, the Bible says that God multiplied their footsteps and became such a thunder that the Syrian army heard 
a great army approaching. They got so scared that they ran and fled for their lives. They left their tents, their donkeys, their horses, all their food, all their gold, all their weapons. They left everything. These four lepers happened into this camp, and they're like, They went into a tent. They're like, food. They're eating food. They grabbed some gold. They went and hid it. And then they came back to the tents and they grabbed another tent. They started grabbing some stuff. They went and hid it. They're like, we should tell the whole city. They went and told the whole city of what God had done. And by that time, the next day, just like the word of the Lord had spoken, Elisha had spoken because he heard the voice of a different king. A king that speaks of the impossibilities becoming possible. What did these four lepers do? They walked by faith. What did they do? You might say, well, they walked towards the enemy. I would say they walked towards their victory. Just like David, when Goliath was coming at him, the Bible says he ran towards David. He wasn't running towards his enemy. He was running towards his victory. We have to learn how to listen to the right voice, the voice of our king. He might sometimes speak differently. We could look at the king of Israel and what he says, but man, that was just full of doubt. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 2 that the king of kings looks at the other kings that try and oppress you, but he dashes them to pieces like pottery. They have no power over you. Anger, resentment, sickness, disease, these things that try and set up on your mountain, Jesus, the king of kings, will dash them to pieces like pottery. Lack, it'll never happen, it's impossible. Jesus is the God of the impossible. He just comes at those things as a mighty warrior. Our victorious one, our Lion of Judah. The Bible says in Revelations that there's fire in our Jesus' eyes, like a blazing furnace, and a sword cometh from his mouth. And on his thigh and on his robe is tattooed the name King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he rides a white horse out in front of the armies of God. And he's not afraid and he's taking territory. And he's got a different voice to say to you today. And I believe with my whole heart that as this message impacts your heart, and you make Jesus the King of your heart. And you're putting him above the things that have been trying to speak to you and make you feel bad and say the wrong things. And he brings peace on the inside. But there's some of you that are on the edge of a breakthrough. And like this Israel city, it's been long and hard. Like my daughter running against the wind, it's been tough. And you've been praying and believing God for a breakthrough. Maybe it's in your finances. I want you to know that by this time tomorrow, your breakthrough is coming. I want to pray over people that are on the edge. Maybe you've been believing God for a job and it's been long and hard and you're wondering when that break's going to finally come. I want you to know that by this time tomorrow, that phone call is coming. There's no more hesitation or delay. Listen to the voice of a different king today. It's the voice of Jesus Christ. And he's saying by this time tomorrow, you're going to see a turn in your health. You're going to notice a difference in your body. It's been getting worse and worse, but starting this time tomorrow, it's going to be getting better and better. I want you to know you've been believing God for that kingdom marriage. By this time tomorrow, you're going to see a change in your life. You've been believing God for a son or a daughter that's been running from him. By this time tomorrow, you're going to get a phone call that says, I'm coming back home. I got a dream last night from the Lord. I came across a person. Their lives coming back to Jesus by this time tomorrow. And if you are on the edge and you need a breakthrough, I want you to stand on your feet because I want to pray over you. Just stand up on your feet if you're on the edge and you need a breakthrough. You've been believing God that by this time tomorrow, things are going to start making a change. Stand on your feet. Be so strong and bold. 
Now partner with me in faith right now, people of God, as we declare in the name of Jesus, Jesus, you are the king of our hearts. Peace in our hearts and faith reigns. You are mighty in the land that you declare over us that by this time tomorrow, every person in this room that's standing on their feet is gonna see a turn and a change in their situation. By this time tomorrow, the mountain that they've been facing is beginning to shape and move. By this time tomorrow, in the name of Jesus, sickness is leaving and the body is feeling healthy and strong, energized. Sickness, get out in Jesus' name. By this time tomorrow, in the name of Jesus, relationships are coming together. Hearts are being knit together and healed. Marriages are getting stronger. By this time tomorrow, financial breakthrough is happening. That phone call is coming by this time tomorrow. That contract will be signed. The judge is gonna rule in your favor. Jesus is tipping the scale towards your future. By this time tomorrow, God is gonna open up a door that can't be, that couldn't be opened, but now it can't be shut. By this time tomorrow, the right people are coming into your life, reaching out their hand and pulling you to new heights. By this time tomorrow, promotion is declared into your future. Elevation, the heart of a king is causing you to rise up to new heights in Jesus' name. If you receive it, give the Lord a hand clap. Well, hey, thanks for watching. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you've been away from the Lord for a little while and today you're turning your heart back to the Lord, I just want you to say this prayer with me. Just repeat after me. Dear Father God, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. And Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you're the Son of God who died for my sins, who rose from the dead. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you said that prayer, your eternity just changed. Find a great church, get around the right people, get around the right message. It's gonna make a difference in your life, amen? Don't forget about our Wake Up Daily Bible Show, number one uh, YouTube show as far as Bible study goes in the world. You can just go to YouTube, type in Daily Bible Study, we'll come right up, subscribe to it, and watch it every single... We pray over your day. That's right. Scripture over your day, and it's a great way to get encouraged and blessed for your day. And you can go to Amazon and check this out if you want a little more material. This is called Why Jesus Wants You to Have the Baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of misunderstanding and confusion about what it is to pray in the Spirit and what God has for you. There is a power that might be missing in your Christianity that God wants you to harness. Check this book out. It's going to change your life. And if you'd like to partner with us, allow us to take this gospel, this word, this life-giving message all over the world. In order to do that, we need partners and people that get behind it. And so whatever support that God puts on your heart to do, we encourage you to do that and allow us, because you know what? The more resources we have, the more that we can push the gospel to all the corners of the earth. You can donate at wakeuptv.tv. God bless you guys. We'll see you next time.